Welcome to Once and Future Authors, changing lives one book at a time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Great. Welcome to the Once and Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted today to be joined by author Danielle Orsino. She's the author of, well, she's the author of a lot of books because she's quite prolific, but we're speaking today about her new book, Kingdom Come. It is Birth of the Fae, book number four. And when you see Danielle, well, you're going to recognize that cover star right up. So glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I kind of got a little, you know, choked up seeing book four. It's it's kind of crazy. I know. I know it's kind of crazy because you and I have been been meeting on the, the show since like book one. So mm-hmm. now book four. Uh, tell me something before we even get to the fun stuff like your cover or your cosplay. Book four, is it getting easier to write? More difficult? What's What's the deal with that? Uh, I, I don't know if it's getting easier. I don't think it's ever completely easy, but I know the characters as well as I do. So they do flow, but now they, uh, they do tend to talk back a little bit more. You know, when I'm heading in that direction, they're like, you're not really going to do that to me, are you? I don't know if I would say that necessarily. So they have a bit of a stronger voice, I would say. Oh, well, I mean, the stronger voice, does that make it, easier because now you're like now you're just taking dictation (laughs) you know in some senses yes and like I said in some senses they're like I don't know if I would do that um I I really enjoy this aspect of where the fae are going because I have different characters I do have um kid kid fae that I'm writing with um and writing from the perspective of a six or eight year old fae there's a lot more freedom and I enjoy these characters tremendously, especially Indiga and Issa, who I'm writing uh, currently with, you see them in Kingdom Come and then you'll be seeing them in uh, Faye is Done and Forgive Us, the next half of this storyline. And writing them is a lot of freedom because, you know, kids don't really care what comes out of their mouth. And (laughs) so uh, Indiga's nickname around the palace is Little Big Mouth, which was my nickname. So I'm writing... Yeah, so I use that. And so writing for her, she doesn't really care what she says. She speaks her mind. So I'm enjoying all of that aspect of it. But it's, you know, some characters I'm saying goodbye to and I'm pulling in because Kingdom Come, uh, A Faye is Done and Forgive Us, these last couple books or next couple books set up A Birth of a Succubus, which is our next Journey Volume 2 in the Faye series. And so uh, the events that transpire are bittersweet. They have to happen in order to set up the next, but, you know, there are some characters we won't be seeing anymore. And so it's a little, it's a little sad. 
oh yeah that is a little bit sad but uh they're 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 standing up for themselves did you start by having like a whole outline of how, what is it going to be six books in the birth of the fae series uh there's six right now in the birth of the fae and then we jump right into um succubus and that i have um there's three already done in birth of a succubus and then uh the seventh one in that in that one is about 20 chapters in give or take uh no there was no outline i, wow. I would like to tell you i was like oh yes i'm going to do this and then this will happen no this was a fly by the seat of my pants let i wrote them all at the same time so i would sit right and then be like oh um people are going to want to know how that came about so i would pick up my journal and start writing a chapter or whatever and that and then I'd realize, oh, they don't know who that is. And I pick up another journal and be like, okay, so this is the origin for that one. And so I just kind of kept writing and hoping eventually this will all make sense. Gotcha. And then when I sat at the computer, I started, okay, this is this and that is that, you know, kind of like Flounder from The Little Mermaid, you kind of explained it all. And that's how it all flowed. Uh, originally, the books were much larger. Uh, Book one, Birth of the Fae, uh, Locked Out of Heaven, was more like probably books one through three combined, but they were monster books. They were 500 pages. And my publisher was like, look, no, 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 no. They were like, nobody is going to sit and read 500 pages from a new author. They were the ones who were like, you have to chop these up. Uh, and even my original developmental uh, editor, my story editor, Cleet Barrett Smith, who helped me with the, the developmental edit for book one, was like, you, you got to chop this up. He's like, while I love it, I think it's great. He said, nobody's going to hang for this. He said, you're just too new. And I, I do appreciate that critique. And that's why my books are smaller because I've had people say, oh, it's really short. It's only 225 pages. And I'm like, consider me your gateway drug into the fantasy world. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's very intimidating when you see like the Mists of Avalon or something like that or Game of Thrones. And they're these big, thick books. I think it scares readers off who maybe want to jump into the genre. So I'm like, I'm your gateway drug. Just, you know, dip your toe in the pool and then we go in. Well, I so, mean, 220 pages is far from a short story. That's for sure. Yes. Oh, it, it definitely is. It's just, I find it funny when I hear people go, it was really short. And I'm like, short. I was like, it's, it's still over 200. Like for me as the writer, I'm like, you, you still get, that was like a good 55, 60,000 words. I'm like, from my aspect, I'm like, no, that was, I'm like, I could have kept going. I so guess, yeah, you could have kept going, but your, your uh, publisher stopped you. Yeah. They were just like, all right, Danielle, we're cool. Like we're, let's, let's, we'll get to the next one. But I also put out two books a year. So you're not, as a reader, you're not kept waiting. I'm not going to leave you waiting 10 years. Mm. you know that's not, that's not something you ever have. I'm not pulling oh, George R.R. Martin shout out to George R.R. Martin there yeah, exactly <laughs> that was not a you know it was not a veiled dig there you are <laughs> although I must say I can't imagine um how it must be for him that the um the movie producers the television producers finished the books in a sense finished the story yes least. I don't know how I would feel being a writer who hasn't yet written the stunning climax and then watching someone else's stunning climax. Now, I don't know if that was what he was gonna write, if it wasn't what he was gonna write, so now that it kind of got some flack, now he's saying, oh, I shouldn't do that. I, I think it's gonna be rough to write that last book for him. 
I, I think there's got to be a lot of pressure, but I would also kind of be like, well, that's what I'm not going to do. Check. You know, like in one sense, I'd be like, thank you. Not doing that. Not doing that. Okay. Not killing that one. You know, in one right, sense, right, I'd right. be like, you took it for a test run. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Exactly. I'm, you know, I'm, looks at the, you know, and says, oh, I was thinking that was going to work. And now I see that's not going to work. Yeah, it's kind of like you took it for a test drive. Thanks, guys. You know, I'd, I'd kind of be like, cool. You know, now I know what not to do. So I'm going to go that way. But, you know, I, I think there's probably a tremendous amount of pressure. I I guess what it is, is just for me as an author, and I, I don't know if other authors feel this way. When someone picks up one of my books, I am so grateful to them that I find it a huge responsibility that I don't want to leave them hanging too long because I want you back in the veil. I want you to come back in. So I want to get the next book to you and I want to continue the story, but I do see where it could be author burnout in the other sense. So yeah. I'm trying to find that balance. It makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know if we'll ever see the end of the Game of Thrones the way it's supposed to be. Who knows? But I do know one thing. If I were interviewing George Martin right now, he would not be dressed as fabulously as you are. So no, I don't think he would. What you are wearing. And then we're going to talk about your covers and such. Um, I'm giving a little Aurora, uh, you know, to everybody. I, I love dressing up as, as Queen Aurora. She's one of my favorites to dress up as. Uh, so I have Aconite uh, Creations, who I found on Etsy, does these beautiful latex pieces, Baroque pieces. So I have a chess piece from them. I have a, their gauntlet. And then I always have my Aurora crown from Enchanting Earth & Co., which they did. Uh, we collaborated on it. Probably it's been uh, almost a year and a half. And now people can go and buy it. It's a real quartz crystal crown with the angelite disc that the uh, Power Angel Brigade all had embedded in their foreheads. And we were able to recreate it and actually put it on the crown just like Aurora has. Now, did you say that all that gold you're wearing is latex? This is actually a latex. It's completely bendable. Yeah. Oh my it gosh, looks, it's painful. It looks like metal, but it is not. So I can wear it. It's comfortable. The gauntlet, the same thing. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's really, really cool. And you, so you would look at it and think, you know, it's metal, but no. Wow. So now Etsy is where one can buy, I, you know. Etsy's amazing. <laughs> Etsy's the place. Because certainly I didn't see stuff like that in, you know, Target. <laughs> no, not yet. I'm sure Target's on its way at some point. They'll probably knock it off. But so far, no, Etsy's, Etsy's my go-to. Uh, like I said, my crown is from Enchanting Earth. Uh, co Jamie did this, which was amazing. And, but you can this you can get on Instagram or you can go to her shop. It's in uh, Topeka, Kansas. She has a beautiful crystal shop. So everything is doable. And that's kind of what I like. So the veil is always available. Wow, amazing. So before you even started writing, were you into dressing up or did that come after? I've always been a cosplayer. Mm -hmm. I've been a cosplayer. I've, I was always at Comic-Con dressing up. Uh, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Poison Ivy. I've done uh, a lot of DC characters. I've always been into comics. I worked at a comic book shop when I was younger. Uh, I was you know, into trying to write for comic books. So I've always been into comic books. That's been my thing and I've always cosplayed. Even uh, I went to one of my first Greenbelt testings because at Greenbelt in Taekwondo, uh, at least in my system, you had to break boards. So I had a little Wonder Girl outfit that I made like Deborah Winger wore uh, on the show. And I sewed on you know, the stars and everything. And I had 
clay bracelets. I went to a, a pottery shop by me and I had them make, because I wasn't sure how to do it, these uh, clay Wonder Woman bracelets. And I wore it under my uniform to help because I was so nervous about breaking boards for the first time. So I was always cosplaying in some capacity. I didn't know at the time it was cosplaying, quote unquote. But, you know, and then I discovered New York Comic Con and I was like, oh, I found my people and went running in there. I think the first time I went, I was dressed as Yvonne Craig's version of Batgirl in the, in the purple outfit, you know, full, full on. And then every year I went back, I was a new, new persona. And I've been going ever since and I've met amazing people. And it's always a good time. So it just kind of felt natural to progress to dress like my characters. Wow. I, I love, and I never would have thought about it, what you just described, dressing like Wonder Woman, even under your clothing, in order to channel her energy so you could break boards when you were younger. I think that that is just amazing. And wow, huge takeaway for all of us. If you need to do scary things in your life, whether it's standing up and giving a speech or I mean, heck, asking some man out on a date, whatever it might be. If you're like wearing a Wonder Woman outfit underneath there, you're gonna knock Go it for it. Apart. I mean, just, I would put on a silver cuff because then eventually I upgraded my Wonder Woman cuffs. I got a silver cuff. And when I would have was having like a bad day nursing, I would put my Wonder Woman cuffs on under my scrubs. And I, that's what I would wear. And I would just think all the negativity I'm deflecting. And just, I would keep that going. Because, you know, I was a nurse. You have bad days. It's just how everybody has a bad day. But, you know, you're surrounded by people being sick and whatnot. And I would think I can get through this. And that's what I would do. And just kind of keep it going. And I wound up using that in Birth of a Succubus. One of my main characters, Morgan, is a nurse. And so she would wear her little cuffs underneath her scrubs. Because for me, it was, you know, it was one of those things. I would get overwhelmed with, you know, Sometimes I would do 20 IVs mm. in a, you know, 20 sticks in three hours and then hang the bags. And then, you know, I'd get backed up. I'd have people yelling, oh, it's my turn. It's a, and it was like, oh, what do I do? And I would just think it's, you know, bing, bing, you know, just kind of wonder woman it out and get it done. So I just think cosplay is a great thing. You kind of lose yourself. And I remember I was there. I was at a booth, actually. I was dressed as Black Canary for Cosplay Culture Magazine. And there was this guy and he looked just like Plastic Man. I mean, he was on it. And I went to talk to him. It turned out he was an orthopedic surgeon. And this was the one like weekend where he was not on call. He did nothing. And he's like, I come here every year. And this is what I'm dressed as. He's like, I put all my money into like upgrading my costume every year. And he's like, I'm not on call. I'm not a doctor. He's like, I'm Plastic Man. And that's what he did. And he, he spent money like he would go to all the art. He was into Alex Ross and stuff. And he would spend his money on like original artwork and whatever. But he was like, I'm plastic man. He's like, the next three days, that's all I'm doing. And I was like, that's, that's so great. And he was goofy. And he's like, cause I can't be like this at work. He's like, I gotta be serious. And I thought that's, you know, it's just the power of comics and cosplay and everything. And it just brings people together. So I think it's a really cool thing. I love that. And I may need to order myself a set of Wonder Woman cuffs. That's for sure. Go on Etsy. Etsy will have them. I'm going to go on Etsy after we finish this. So tell me, when did you become your own 
cover artist, your own model. Here you are on the cover of Kingdom Come. When did that come about and how did that come about? Um, I would like to, I have to say that I have to thank Erica and Val at Four Horsemen Publications. They, it was their idea. It was not my, I didn't go in there going, I'm going to be on the cover of my books. Thank you, ladies. That they are cosplayer and comic geeks themselves. And what happened was uh, when I switched publishers, I had shown them the cover of book one and they were like, look, in hardcover, it looks great. They said, but softcover, it's not doing what we want it to. It's not as explosive. And I said, well, I already have, you know, I had already designed the cover for book two. And they, they actually went and showed me, they said, look, we're going to show you what it looks like under fluorescent lights. And I had picked like this really pretty icy blue. And they said, it completely washes out. And I'm like, oh, okay. I hadn't done this type of research. And they were like, yeah, it doesn't work. And I had taken some pictures dressed as Serena, Lady Serena, the mermaid uh, from the books. And they were like, why aren't you using these pictures? And I'm like, well, what would I use them for? They were promo shots. And they were like, for the cover. And I was like, I hadn't, it didn't even cross my mind. And they were like, let us just work something up and we'll come back and we'll talk to you. And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. Like I was looking at them like they were nuts. And then they came back with Locked Out of Heaven's cover. Wow. And I was like, uh, okay. And my dragon, Raycor, was in the background. And there I was in like all my Serena glory. And it, it looked amazing. And I was like, uh, that's me. And they were like, yeah, from now on, you're on the covers of your books. And that's what we're doing. And it was just like end of discussion, no option. It wasn't like, Danielle, let's talk about it. It was more like, this is what's happening. But they said, we will allow you to have say in what pictures we use. And so I was like, okay. And they said, but you're going on the covers. And they were like, that part is it. And, and I said, well, if we're going to do this, I'm cool with that. Like, I don't want to be too airbrushed. Like, I am a woman over a certain age. Like, then let's, let's, let's celebrate the fact that I am that. And they were like, yeah, all right, let's just do it then. And I'm like, um, okay. You know, it took a second. And then um, they, every time a cover, we come out with a cover, they show me and they were like, do you like the pose? Anything you want to change? And they've, you know, we've had discussions. Uh, book two, the first, I think the first pose I was cool with. Book three, I said I wanted a sword picture. Because the first one, I think Desdemona kind of had her hands up and it looked like she was conjuring the dragon that was behind her. And I was like, no, it doesn't go with the storyline. And they said, all right, pick out a, pick out a pose you like. And I did. And it was kind of a nod to Bruce Lee. She's kind of given that come, come here, you know, that Bruce Lee pose. And as a martial artist, I was like, yeah, I like that. Sure. That's the one we're going with. Like they're very collaborative with me. Oh, that's cool. And then um, for book four, for kingdom come the first one, I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. And they said, all right, what do you like? I gave them a suggestion we worked with it and they were like, yeah, let's go. Fantastic. I am so excited for you. And you are very unique in that because goodness knows when I look at other fantasy books, they are not starring the author. That's for sure. No, this was, I was very nervous about that, you know, because of everything that goes with it. When you're on the cover, it's not just your words that are inside that's being critiqued. The cover gets critiqued just as we all know. Don't judge a book by its cover. Okay, that's what we do though. <laughs> you know, when you walk into Barnes and Nobles, when you're looking on Amazon, the first thing you do is you look at the cover. And now I'm being judged 
because I'm on the cover. So it's like double jeopardy here. Exactly. It took a lot for me to say, okay, we're going to do this and then have to be okay. But uh, we're here. Fantastic. Well, uh, I have some wonderful pictures of the cover and I guess the process. If you wouldn't yes. mind giving us a little background on this. Is This is the cover from yes. Kingdom Come, Birth of the Fae, book four. And this picture here, what was going uh, on? That was, that was a makeup test. Uh, my makeup artist, Denise M. Apostle, has been my uh, collaborative queen, I call her. And she was uh, testing the makeup and making sure she actually mixes all my lipsticks. So none of the lipsticks I wear on any of the covers, you can go and buy. She reads the books, figures it out, and then decides the lipstick color based on the story. So that lipstick is actually called Traitor. And she mixed it right there on the spot. Amazing. What am I seeing here? That is everybody who worked on that, that, uh, that photo shoot. Uh, that's Julia Giulietti, who is the, my photographer in the front with the camera. Uh -huh. uh, the gentleman above her is Jacob Rivera. He actually sings on my audio book and he's one of my closest friends and helps with getting the whole thing together. Mm -hmm. uh, Jarvok, my new Jarvok is George, who is Jacob's voice um, student. Oh, okay. He's in law school, but Jacob is an opera singer and oh. George is a singer as well. They work together. That's how I found George. Uh -huh. And then uh, Denise, my makeup artist, who's doing my makeup and we decided to take a group shot. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. And uh, this is you with Jarvos? That's me and Jarvok together, kind of figuring it all out on what we were going to do, how we were going to do this. Because, now, are, uh, you know, you know how that goes, figuring out the poses. Exactly. Are his clothes from Etsy also to get all these things? Okay, so his original armor was from an armor company in Germany. Okay. And then I had to do all the work on it. So all the skulls, the grommets, every, all the details you see on it, that was me actually working on it, oh. is resin casting. Oh, you know how to do that? Uh, I learned real quick. <laughs> <laughs> learned real fast how to do that. Um, My gosh. That's his, his shoulder paldrone. So right. his shoulder pieces, uh, the skulls, are actually ice cube trays oh yeah I found those on Amazon and I was like well they look really cool so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use resin to cast the skulls mm -hmm. and so I figured out how to fill them halfway to make it look like they were more embedded than fill them the whole way gotcha. and then all the grommets are dots that I just drew and then the squares are actually um more ice cube trays and we just made it look good. And those, those pieces that you're seeing um, are actually for cakes, to make cake decorations. Really? Yep. And yeah. that's what I used. Even the, like the little floor designs, the Flew Delore signs, those are all, those designs are all for cakes. So I used, um, I think I took just some oil and, to make sure it would release and then figured that out. And what? that's how I made, yeah, everything I, on there. You taught yourself all this. Yeah, I watched YouTube. Uh, I checked with the cosplay community. 
And then I learned how to color it using mica. We had some accidents with the dogs a little bit, like, you know, kind of, if you remember the old Sleeping Beauty cartoon where make it pink, make it blue with the dress, and then they both hit the dress. Yes, yes. That was, that was my dog Penelope at one point when she hit the table with the mica and the mica went up like a puff of smoke. Oh no. And landed on her because she's a white chewini. Oh my gosh. She was two different colors at that point for a little while because powder was everywhere. At that point I learned, do not mix mica when the dog is running around. (laughs) Now this is, is this also mica? What is this? Um, Those are his uh, cuffs, his gauntlets. And those pieces, everything you see on that is resin. Okay. So those were just small resin that I casted. And yeah, I used mica to color it because mm-hmm. the resin is obviously clear. And I tried to make it look like um, crystals. So we tried oh. to make, you know, labradite or, con- or kyanite, just something. Right, right. But yeah. And uh, here you are. Yep. These, that actually is a picture that you'll see when you open up Kingdom Come. It's one of the pictures uh, in the interior design. Okay. Just to kind of give, so when you see it, it's totally different than what's in the book. Right, right. And this one here? That's what appears on the uh, cover. So a little bit different, you know, there. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's your cover image. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Wow. I can't believe how much work goes into making all these things. Yeah. I mean, even after looking at all those pieces, you know, in your yep. description of all those pieces. And then there he is on the cover. Wow. Yeah, totally different. The dress I got off Amazon and then we wound up putting the train on it doing, there's probably about 400 small crystal pieces on the dress that I had to put on, like little Swarovski crystals that we had to put on just to put on points of light, things like that. Cause uh, we had to, we didn't know what the, what the background of the book would be the cover so we had to give crystal points for light points mm. so okay. there's there's little you know points like that for the cover designer to use just different things that you know you don't think of yeah and then as you're doing it you know they were like oh if you could put more toward the bust line or toward the shoulder so we can reflect it off you know even um the crystals on the face just to angle up and change the angle of my face because I'm Serena on one cover. I'm Desdemona on another. We have to change my face sometimes. Oh, very true. Very true. And those are the same crystals now that I see your cover that you have right now. Yeah. Yeah. I have different ones. Yeah. For each one. So we're always, because I play different characters, my face has to change. Mm. And I've asked not to change it um, with computer imaging. We just try to do it. Denise just tries to do it with makeup. I mean, gosh. Just doing one cover takes as long as writing the book, looking at all this work that you're doing with the resin and the crystals and the, oh my. Oh yeah. Yeah. It takes, um, we're shooting, I cover, the cover for book five was shot a while ago and it just happened. I had the picture of Lady Danius. It was already done. So we're using that. But for book six, I'm doing, it's the first time a dark fae will appear on the cover by herself. We're doing Lieutenant Asa and that. I'm already working on that uh, leather armor, which I designed, and now I'm doing all the resin. But Asa will take, to shoot her, to do her makeup, because there's a wig involved and all that, uh, and we're doing the, um, they're actually, we're actually showing the auric weapon um, 
that the celestial blade, we have to take a dowel, cover it in green tape so it can be brought in and then light it from the bottom. So the light will show and it'll be in the right place. Just to, just to shoot that will probably take us with makeup. That'll be a five or six hour sh shoot alone. And she'll appear by herself, you know, on the cover. But then uh, just to finish the resin, do everything. Yeah, I've been working on her armor probably about four months now. Oh my gosh. Do you get, to get it. really as many calls for, for how to make gauntlets and et cetera and so forth as you do for how to write? I think, I don't think people have figured out that it's, that I'm doing it or that it's me. Like, they're still kind of like, oh, you must buy that. And I'm like, no, you know, like they're just, I don't think they're catching it just yet, which is cool. But, you know, it's funny. I still, people still don't realize it's me on the cover. Wow. And I'm like, and that's, I'm fine with that, you know, because sometimes you get the honest opinion. So it's like, that's cool. But I, I don't think they realize, you know, Denise takes in makeup, it will take us to do one look. If it's Aurora, it's a little easier. Aurora is maybe an hour and a half. But Lady Serena, that cover took us, that shoot was probably a good two hours, two and a half, because I had a blonde wig, not including the headpiece, blonde wig, plus, I mean, I had pink eyebrows. We had, um, I had to put my hand through uh, fishnet stockings, and then she had to go and dab to get all the fishnet uh, impressions. Mm. And that she did with, she didn't airbrush that. That was her going through with a sponge wow. to get all of that up my arms, down my face, down my neck. Uh, we had to put the tail on. The tail was, you know, that took a while to get the tail on. Mer Taylor, I got, the tail came from Mer Taylor, but then I went on and put Swarovski crystals down every, every scale. So that was covered with about a thousand crystals. And then it was, when we shot that, it was about 95 degrees by 10 a.m. Oh, my God. And I had pasties to cover me, and they <laughs> melted off. Oh, no. And I remember standing there and looking at Julia and her going, you got to take them off. Like, you're melted. We so we took them off, but I was left with the glue. And Denise was just taking handfuls of glitter and throwing it at me because we just didn't know what else to do. And she was like, more glitter, just more glitter. We're fine. More glitter. And so we're covering with the wig. I've got glitter everywhere and we're just sweating. And now I've got this big wig plus the headpiece and the headpiece. It was like something from Lucille Ball. Like I couldn't move. I had to be perfectly balanced mm. and we're laying there and I'm like, and I'm sitting there and finally I was balanced. I was like, take your picture, take your picture quick, get, get it, get it, get it, get it. I'm good. I'm good. And then I just start sweating again and they're dabbing me. And then I'm like, okay, take it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. And that probably took us that shoot. We shot from 10 a.m. till I think till 1230 because I started overheating. Right. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I was like, I can't. I, and she was like, oh, but the sun. And I'm like, no. I'm like, we got to cut this because I got to get out of the tail, get out of the headpiece, the wig, the makeup smelting. It was beautiful pictures, but I was done with that one. Okay. So we need to appreciate those covers a lot. I'm sure when you look at the cover, you say, God, remember that hot day when we were doing that and how many hours went into this? I always had extreme temperatures when I shot Aurora's cover, when I did the Aurora shoot, which wound up being Nine Eyes of Mercy book two. Um, 
it was it was the end of April, and everybody and all the days leading up it had been like sixty degrees, beautiful. That day, the wind brought it down to thirty degrees, and my lips were blue. The skirt was blowing up, and I was like, I was freeze, like I had goosebumps, and they kept coming, coming over, going, "Okay, breathe. You're fine. You're warm." And I was shivering. My teeth were, and I was like, "I am not warm." I was, and my hair was going this way because we had we had like a faux mohawk going, and every and the skirt kept going up and blowing me in the face. And Julia would stop and she'd go, "I'm seeing everything." Got, and I'm like, "There's nothing I can do. This is not a Marilyn moment." But every everyone was great. Desdemona, I have to give I have to give Denise a lot of credit because what she would do is she would read the books. She would get a feel and then she'd say, what are the influences for the character? Mm. And there was always a comic book type influence. Like for Desdemona, it was the crow and um, death from Sandman from Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman comics graphic novel. And so she'd go and look things up and then put together an amazing look. And she always had it ready to go. And so it was like, she's like, oh, I'm thinking gold on this. And they, she'd look at the costumes and say, let's try this. Let's do this with the hair. And she'd just be ready. And we always did a practice run first the day before. She'd take the pictures and she'd take them at different angles. So she always knew this is how it's going to photograph. Let's back it up. I don't like this. And then she would, she always played with my lips to change the face. And then she'd contour to try to give it a different look because like I said, we're playing a different character and probably no one recognizes me from book one. My father didn't even recognize me when I, when he saw book one, <laughs> dad didn't even recognize me book two, obviously, but then book three, he looked at and he went, I want to say it's you, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm going to say it's you though. So, you know, we're always playing. I think, um, I think when people see, obviously, book four, it's me. Uh, but seeing Jarvok is kind of cool because he's never appeared. And this is the first time I'm sharing the cover with somebody. Right. And I was very grateful to George for that and to Jacob finding George. And he was a doll to work with. Oh, that's fabulous. It's, it's hard sometimes when you're sharing it because yeah. you don't know the chemistry. And that was my first time that I'm like, all right, you know, and we're trying to figure out. I never knew that in when you're shooting a cover, the positioning of the body tells the story. Oh, okay. So who's ever behind or in front can tell you what's going to happen in the book. Right, right. So we were trying to get it all correct and not give too much away about what was going to happen. Right. Well, so it was, it was a lot. And now from this point on, you know, we have a good feel and I'm, I'll get ready to shoot book six shortly. Actually, we're, we're planning it out. And then, um, for birth of a succubus, it'll. We're hoping to continue with this trend of being on the cover, and oh, well, I'm trying I to get my patient. It. I love it, and it's unique and and so incredibly creative. I cannot believe what goes into this. Um, I guess you know. I just look at it and figure, okay, so you you bought the outfit someplace and you took a picture, but no, uh, I'm so thrilled that you brought us piece by piece through what goes into this because other people, I'm sure, are looking at your cover and saying, "I want to do something like that." Well, for all of you uh, newbies out there who are thinking that, I hope you listen to how much work goes into it. And uh, if you want some expert opinion, please contact our. 
fabulous, prolific author, so prolific that we're going to have many, many more covers to come and stories to come. So you'll definitely want to read Birth of the Fae, the series. Hurry up, catch up. There's another series after this and, and more and more covers. And Danielle, I cannot wait to have you on for the next one and to see what you're wearing. And please do like this one. Send me the, the piece by piece into the cover art because that's just awesome. I definitely will. I think um, I think it's always fun to kind of step into that world a little bit and show people the behind the scenes. Because exactly. as writers, we don't get to see it. You don't you don't see the manuscript before editing. Exactly. Now, where can our listeners find you? What's your website? Where's your best place to be found? Uh, you can always find me on birthofthefay.com. And then I have kind of a new exciting place to look. Uh, Bookie Call. The Bookie Call app sounds like Booty Call. It's this app where uh, the marketing people kind of match your book if you're a reader, like a dating app. Mm. So they write a dating profile for books and then match you. And Locked Out of Heaven is now part of their library. And they're kind of always adding more. So uh, Bookie Call, which you can download on iOS or Android. So I think that's kind of fun. They're also on Instagram under um, uh, Bookie Call app. So I think that's kind of a new fun place for readers to find their next, their next reading date so to speak, their next book date. And then uh, at birth of the Fae underscore novel on Instagram. And then uh, at the four horsemen publications.com four horsemen website, you can buy there and Amazon Barnes and Nobles, all the usual places. You can always find me and uh, check in on what the Fae are up to. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Please come back so that we can keep I would up. love to. And for all of our listeners, uh, please go find birthofthefay.com, wherever books are sold, catch up with this series and learn more about the Fay. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!